Hello and welcome to the Secular Buddhism Podcast, a podcast that presents Buddhist teachings, concepts, and ideas from a secular perspective. You don't need to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can use what you learn to simply be a better whatever you already are. I am your host, Noah Roshetta, and let's jump into today's topic. I want to start this podcast episode by sharing what I consider to be a funny story. This happened about eight years ago. It was a time that I was so frustrated and so upset that I physically tore my shirt open out of anger and frustration. So let me give you a little context to what was going on here. Um, At the time, we had Jonah, who was our German foreign exchange student living with us, and it was the end of his year abroad. And he came out to California with me to watch um, a paragliding trip that I was going to do. I had already been flying. Um, I was still very much a novice. And I went out with my instructor to learn how to do a certain type of flying called ridge soaring. Now with ridge soaring, you, you ride the wind in a very similar way to riding the uh, wave of water. So imagine surfing. The way surfing works, if you can picture this, you have the board that's riding the wave. And it's the very shape of the wave that lets you surf. And if you go too far out in front of the wave, you sink. If you um, get pushed back, you'll also go over the wave on the backside and you'll sink. So the wind works the same way. The wind will flow over a ridge and the ridge is shaped like the wave. So as the wind flows over it, you can soar inside of that uh, space right along the ridge. And this was new, new to me. So I went out there with all the excitement and enthusiasm to learn this new style of paragliding. And it turns out it's quite difficult. Now, if you've ever been, if you've ever flown a kite, Um, you may recall how on a very windy day, you can feel that tension in the, in the line of the kite. And it feels like the kite wants to kind of pull you over and you have to hold it, um, really strong. Well, imagine having a piece of fabric that's like a kite, but it's 30 times larger than a kite. And it's, uh, you can't just let go. You're connected to it. So I was out there learning first how to, to control the wing on the ground, and it turns out it's much more difficult and much stronger than anything I had tried before because for our normal powered paragliding, you don't have strong wind. You you run and you inflate the wing overhead, and then the faster you run and the motor starts pushing you, then you just climb up like an airplane does. But to do ridge soaring, you have to launch this piece of fabric in very high wind, and it's that same feeling of, um, being tugged like a kite would tug you, but it's your body because you're connected to this wing. And I was just being thrown around like a rag doll. Um, I thought I knew how to control the wing pretty well, but not good enough to um, avoid being dragged around. Um, the temperature was cool. I'd say it was in the 50s or 60s. You have this wind coming off the water. So I had suited up with um, thermal a thermal liner, like a thermal underwear shirt and pants. And then I had a flight suit that's like a windbreaker one-piece suit. 
And as I'm sitting there on the ground, really wrestling with the wing, and it's just pulling me around and it's dragging me across the sand, I was putting in a lot of effort fighting it and getting uh, really hot. Um, I've mentioned in previous episodes, I don't get uh, hangry, you know, that term hangry when you're really hungry and you start to get really upset because you're hungry. I don't have that, but I do have that for heat. As soon as I start to heat heat up and I, I feel that sensation of feeling really hot, I start to get really angry and um, I don't know if anger is the right word. It's kind of like claustrophobic. There's nothing I can do about it. So back to the story, I'm being dragged around the side of this hill because it's a sandy hill. Any effort of trying to go up and down the hill is a lot of effort. If you've ever tried to climb in sand, you'll know what I'm talking about. And I'm just being dragged around and I'm fighting and I'm resisting. And finally, I get the wing down just under control so that it's not dragging me. And I go lay on the wing so that it won't uh, fly up anymore. And that sensation comes over me and I'm extremely uh, hot and just instant frustration. And I zipped down the flight suit that I was wearing and I took my uh, the collar of my shirt and I just ripped it open and felt that sensation of air. And then I laid back down on my wing, just, you know, um, frustrated and exhausted. Meanwhile, Jonah, who's watching all of this, uh, just starts laughing and he tells me, you know, I've spent a whole year living with you and I've just known you to be this super calm, patient person and I've never seen this side of you. He's like, it was actually really fun to watch you uh, flailing around, being dragged in the sand and then, and then out of frustration, rip your shirt open. And we, we had a laugh about that. So where does this kick in with the overall topic? Uh, turns out learning to learning a new skill, particularly rich soaring and high winds, it's difficult and it, it can be frustrating. And when I was there watching my instructor, he made it look so easy. He was effortless in how he would just dance around in the air. He would swoop down with his feet and he would pick up objects that were on the beach, like a, like a chair or whatever was down there. And then soar back up to the top of that ridge and then place it, you know, very carefully wherever he wanted with his feet. He was making it look like it's something very easy to do. And I remember that day thinking, man, I want to be able to do that. I want to be like him and be that good at what he does. And instead, on that particular trip, I just got my butt kicked. And it was very frustrating and humbling and then I asked him to help me because he was there and we spent the rest of the three or four days that we were there learning. Uh, I did get to soar, but never gracefully. I, you know, it was my first trip there. And um, so that was my, my experience the first time I went ridge soaring. Now, fast forward eight years later, now I'm an instructor. And when I go there, uh, I, I can make it look easy and effortless just as he did. And Oftentimes, I'll have students there with me that will watch, and I can see that frustration in them and that questioning of wondering, will they ever be able to do that, to do what, what I'm doing or what, um, what we're doing, those of us who spent the, the time to learn to master that skill. So today, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of transitioning from being a student to becoming the teacher 
and just the overall art of mastering a skill. And I want to correlate this with Siddhartha's journey. Siddhartha, if you'll recall, is the name of the Buddha, uh, Siddhartha Gautama. And he started on his journey where he was living in a palace and he leaves the palace and he goes and he starts trying all these different methods and techniques to have greater peace in his life, greater inner peace. Um, two of the teachers that he worked with early on in that process were Alara Kalama and Udaka Ramaputra. These are names that we get from the, the story of all of this. And the way the story goes, he starts working with these teachers. He learns everything that he can from them until, until he essentially outgrows the teaching and goes and finds another teacher works with that teacher till he reaches that level. And then at some point realizes uh, he's going to have to go out on his own and this is all up to him. So I've been recently reading Karen Armstrong's book, Buddha, where it talks about the origin story of, of the Buddha. And I was deeply moved by this pivotal moment in Siddhartha's life where uh, he comes to the decision that he needs to strike out on his own and to accept the Dhamma of no other teacher. That's how it's worded in the book. Dhamma means teaching, and this pivotal moment, a profound choice was made, that he needed to rely on his own insights. Um, and that's a fundamental concept that I love about Buddhism, that we are our own greatest guides. Reflecting on Siddhartha's journey, and I think about that pivotal moment when uh, he was working with his teachers and he realized, okay, I can do what they can do. He outgrew those teachings and he needed to figure out, now what? I'm, I'm going to go out on my own. And it reminds me of the deeply personal nature of our spiritual quest and recognizing that enlightenment or the path to enlightenment is one that we need to walk independently so I want to read the quote from this particular part of the story in uh, chapter two of this book. It says, quote, Henceforth, he would rely solely on his own insights. The established forms of spirituality had failed him, so he decided to strike out on his own and to accept the Dhamma of no other teacher. Surely, he cried, there must be another way to achieve enlightenment. And at, the, uh, at that very moment when he seemed to have come to a dead end, the beginning of a new solution declared itself to him. That's the, those are the final sentences of chapter two in Buddha by Karen Armstrong. I want to draw a parallel here with the narrative of the Buddha and his quest to become his own teacher and the experience that I've had with becoming a paragliding instructor. I've seen firsthand how this process works. When I was new and I wanted to learn to fly, I looked for someone who could teach me. I found a teacher. I can't imagine um, the, I can't imagine, you know, going somewhere, the edge of the mountain, for example, and connecting myself to a harness and a wing and then just running off the side of the mountain. That's way too risky. I would never try that on my own. But that's exactly what you learn to do under the guidance of someone who's been there before, right? Someone who's an instructor. And then you learn the basics first. This is how you connect to the wing. This is how the wing works. This is how you inflate it. 
you know, you learn all these things and then the time comes when you say, all right, I'm, I'm willing to take this next step and run off the side of the mountain because I've had enough instruction that I know I can do that safely. And that initial phase of learning is vital because that's what gives you the confidence that you can actually do this. And once you've learned all the basics from an instructor, then you're safe enough to go out and do it on your own. And that's where the real learning, in a way, starts to take place because now you're out there learning from experience. Uh, Every time you fly in new conditions, in new locations, you learn. You learn a little bit. And it was really interesting to go through this experience myself under the guidance of an instructor to eventually flying on my own. And after several years of, of doing that, I felt confident and capable enough for me to become an instructor and for me to start passing on these basic teachings to others. And I love that this core idea that I find within Buddhism, that we are our own greatest guides and that we can emphasize personal responsibility and self-directed growth in our spiritual path and in our personal journeys, I've seen that, how it works with paragliding. So now as an instructor, when I initially have a student come to me to learn to fly, that student leans heavily on on my guidance and my experience to learn the basics. And once they start to make progress and they learn, they, they start to transition from being a novice uh, learner to becoming an independent pilot. And at that point, every flight that they take becomes a testament to the evolving understanding and skill that they're developing on their own. And, and there's a shift that takes place from dependence to self-sufficiency. And I think that's the very essence of this expression in the Buddha's journey of, of learning or accepting the Dhamma of no other teacher. I think he had reached a point where he knew his teachers could get him so far, but then he couldn't rely on them anymore. He needed to go out on his own. And that's very much like what I experience in the paragliding world. You know, you, you can have a teacher that can get you so far, but then you've got to jump out of the nest, so to speak, and, and go learn to fly. And at that point, you kind of become your own guide and you're drawing on the lessons that you gain from uh, everyone who taught you along the way, others that are out there doing it with you, and just you being exposed to new conditions and new, um, new, new locations. So my journey into Buddhism began kind of like this process of learning to to paraglide. For me, it began during a period of significant personal turmoil. Uh, at the time, I was, uh, I was I was questioning long-held beliefs, and I I felt very much that the ground beneath beneath my feet was shifting. It wasn't as stable as uh, it had felt at one point. And it was as if the very foundation of my understanding had just been yanked away. The, the rug had been swept out from under my feet. And it was during this tumultuous time, while uh, metaphorically being dragged around in the sand, like I was uh, when I was first le- learning to paraglide, that I, I unintentionally stumbled upon the, these new paths of understanding and deep introspection. And this was my, my serendipitous encounter with Buddhism and and with the teachings that Buddhism was offering, it was like a lifeline. It was like being dragged in the sand with the wing and then telling my instructor, hey, 
help me. How do I, how do I do this? And through guidance and through learning little techniques, I eventually was able to reach the point where I'm not being dragged around in the sand. I'm actually controlling this wing above my head. And then a little bit after that, eventually you can actually fly with it. And that, that's how I felt in the initial stage of my journey with Buddhism. In those early stages, I didn't have a, a teacher that I could rely on, but I had resources. I had books. I devoured every online resource that I could encounter and then started working with a teacher when I, when I did the lay ministry program. But as I started to delve deeper into these teachings and concepts, I, I realized that the most valuable insights came from within, from experiencing life and adapting to its ever-changing Tetris pieces. And that's where a, a huge sense of uh, confidence started to arise in me when I realized I can handle these pieces as they come my way. I can pivot. I can figure it out. I can, you know, it, it's on me. Meanwhile, in my paragliding journey, a similar thing was happening because I had started to learn. First, I, I went and did this as a hobby and realized I really enjoyed it. And then my progression from novice to experienced paraglider pilot was happening simultaneously with my my spiritual journey and the spiritual growth that I was experiencing. And eventually that led me to teach and guide others. In both of these things, I, I ended up on that, a similar path. And this experience highlighted what I consider to be a timeless truth, that to truly learn, one must teach. And, the, and it came to a point in both my Buddhist studies and also my paragliding um, activities that to really understand well as a student, I needed to be capable of teaching the things that I was doing and learning. So I started doing that in, in both of these things. I started the podcast. I started writing uh, books about Buddhism and paragliding. I started a flight school. And this helped emphasize an additional truth that, that I realized that to teach effectively, one must continually keep learning. And as a result of this understanding, I, I began to see uh, both paragliding, uh, well, in paragliding and in Buddhism, that both learning and teaching were highly intertwined and they perpetuate each other in this endless cycle where learning enables teaching, but teaching also enables learning. And it's like a dynamic dance of sharing and receiving wisdom on the paragliding scene, it was like I would go to a new place and I would watch how the locals fly at that place and adopt their te techniques. And then I would take those techniques and next time I'm flying at my home location and people are seeing me, they're learning those techniques from me. And it was really cool to see how this works, that you can learn, you can you can share and receive that wisdom and learn from from everyone. Now, over the past four years that I've been teaching paragliding, I've had the privilege of of guiding hundreds of students into this world of paragliding. And it's been really fulfilling to witness that transformation from being a nervous and anxious beginner student pilot to eventually becoming skilled pilots, several of which have, have surpassed my own skills and abilities. And as I've thought about that and the joy that it brings to me to see a student, um, you know, eventually become even better than I am, it reminded me of what Siddhartha's teachers uh, must have felt 
when they realized that he had progressed to the point where he needed to go on his own path. He needed to jump out of the nest. At least that's how I picture it in my head. And I see my role as a teacher in both paragliding and uh, with teaching Buddhism as an intermediary step. I'm guiding others to the realization that they too must become their own teachers and learning and at that point start learning from life's greatest teacher life itself so here i feel like the the buddha realized that he was the teacher that he had been looking for i can only imagine he we know from the story he had gone from place to place and tried technique to technique all the different techniques that were known at the at the time and I think you realize that, okay, I've got to figure this out on my own. I can't rely on someone else to get me where I need to get. And it's the same way with paragliding. You, can, you can't you can rely on someone to get you to that high level of achievement. You can have someone get you on the path and teach you the basics, but they can't fly for you. At some point, you have to be willing to launch and go fly on your own. And that's when you start learning. Uh, and you're learning because you're doing which brings me to another point that I love about Buddhism. We know that the Buddha often talked about, don't take my word for it. You, you have to try these things for yourself. And that's very much how it works with flying. I can tell you all about the joy and uh, benefit that I get of going to fly, but you're not going to know what that is unless you go fly your, yourself and, and you start to experience the same thing that I'm doing. So I like correlating these two ideas, and I like... Um, relating this idea to the experience of becoming an independent paraglider pilot where reliance shifts from the instructor to one's own abilities and you start to learn from everyone and from everything. And we see this echoed in a lot of Zen teachings that everything can be your teacher, that everything uh, you can learn from any anything, any experience that you're going through. And this is a a, a really neat concept to keep in mind, the, um, the nuance of, of learning and teaching as intertwined processes where you can try to convey something that you know and the process of teaching it will only help you to learn it better. I think that's a really neat thing to experience and it's part of why in our paragliding training we have uh, students from previous classes come back and join the new class and help as as, as helpers and as assistants, they see us teaching, they see the new students learning, and they're trying to help the new students, which now puts them in the role of, of instructing, which in turn uh, deepens their understanding uh, as learners and as students. And I think that's really cool to be able to do that. So one of the things that we can ask ourselves, uh, for those of us that are on a spiritual journey, practicing Buddhism or putting Buddhist teachings and concepts into practice, how does our journey transform when we start to become our own teachers? What insights can we gain from life's uh, unpredictable Tetris pieces? If we consider each one of these pieces as a teacher, when it comes and you're experiencing the, oh, here's a flat tire, or, oh, here I just lost my job, or oh, I just lost a loved one, whatever it is, not just negative ones, but also the... Um, positive pieces that come our way, if we could ask ourselves, what can I learn from this? And what way does this experience that I'm having help me to be more skillful at living life? 
I think that's one of those pivotal moments, like the one in the Buddha's life where he said, you know, it's time for me to figure this out on my own. That's the essence of his journey to enlightenment is that there's no relying on anyone else. It's like I've learned what I can from everyone else, and now I need to be confident in myself, in me, and I need to go out and just live and see how all this is going to work. Um, I, I think about that a lot with my journey of, of paragliding and teaching paragliding and that milestone where you realize, okay, that for any more learning to take place, it's going to be on me. And of course, I can still learn from others. I can still read books and watch videos and uh, uh, you know, absorb what I can from everyone. But what happens is mentally, I start to see everything as my teacher. Uh, oh, today the wind is extra strong. Well, there, that's my teacher. Um, whatever the scenario is, it's my teacher. And I think this is where we can take this concept and apply it in a real life context that the time comes where we have to um, allow ourselves to figure things out. I see this again with the paragliding journey. There comes a time when you have to allow a student to figure it out on their own. You've told them the technique, they've practiced it, and now the only way they really learn it is to just do it. And early on in, these, in the stage of learning, this happens on the ground where you're kiting the wing above your head and you're telling them, you know, you have to lean this way and pull that brake and pull this left hand and twist your hips this way. You, you teach the technique, but then there's no other way for them to figure it out but to just do it until they figure it out. And that stage can be frustrating for both the student who's just not getting it and for the instructor who's like, I don't know what else to tell you. <laughs> I keep saying left and you're doing right. So it's like, there's nothing left for me to say. Now you just need to do it. But that's where it becomes a matter of practice. They do it, they do it, and then it kicks in and then muscle memory gets programmed. And before they know it, just like uh, that transition of learning to ride a bike where you're struggling, 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 and then suddenly it clicks and you're doing it. I think the same thing can happen on our spiritual path. And I like to think about that in the Buddha's journey. It's like you're struggling and struggling, and at some point it all clicked and it came together, and he realized, I can do this. This is on me now. Um, and, and I've thought about that often in my uh, journey with Buddhism, and I've seen it the, the same way it's happened with paragliding. It's like you start to learn these basic things, meditation, and how does this technique work, and I, I put it into practice every day. And then before you know it, you're like, wow, I feel much more centered and I'm experiencing much more um, inner peace, not because I've eliminated pain and suffering, but because I've learned to become comfortable with discomfort and to find peace and joy in the midst of pain and suffering. And that is one of those big milestones that you, you start to say, you know what, I, this is, I can do all of this. No matter what life is going to throw my way, I I have confidence in me, my ability to navigate with whatever life is going to throw my way. And I think that's what these teachings are trying to point us to, to this pivotal moment where we don't need to accept the teaching of any other teacher. We can say, I've got this, I'll figure it out. And we embark on that new path of personal responsibility and self-directed growth and recognizing that although teachers can guide us, books can guide us, podcasts can guide us, our most meaningful lessons often will come from within. And knowing that, it can put us into this mindset that encourages us to learn to trust our own journey, 
to embrace the solitude and the discomfort of personal growth and to acknowledge that life with its ups and its downs, life is our greatest teacher. And I think this principle should form the foundation of every quest for wisdom. Uh, it should remind us that the most profound insight is the insight that we discover within ourselves. We don't need to be out there looking for this anywhere else because it's to be found here looking within. So I want to end this podcast episode with a quote that I really enjoy from uh, Matsuo Basho. And the quote says, Seek not the paths of the ancients, seek that which the ancients sought. And, and I like that as a closing quote for this overall lesson. Uh, whether it's applied to paragliding or the spiritual journey of Buddhism, like don't try to take the path of some other um, person that you look up to and admire. Seek what they sought. You know, that's what I did with my instructor right away. I was like, wow, I want to be able to do the kind of stuff this person does. And, 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 and I became like him. As an example, I followed in, in the footsteps that would lead me down a very similar path where now I am also a paragliding instructor. And he remains a very close friend of mine and a mentor. And I love thinking about it like that rather than, um, thinking there are these people that we need to look up to like, oh, here's the Buddha. I need to, uh, I need to try to be like the Buddha. No, don't seek, don't seek, um, the path of the Buddha. Seek what the Buddha sought. He was seeking to have greater inner peace in his life. And that led to the path that we all know now is the path of the Buddha, right? Seek your path to be like that. I think that's one of the, that's how I view the idea of taking refuge, you know, when you, when you enter the path of, let's say you want to become a Buddhist, there's a process of, of taking refuge where you, you take refuge in the Buddha, you take refuge in the Dharma, and you take refuge in the Sangha. Now, if you think about this, taking refuge is finding, you know, think of it like a, a boat that's out on the water and a hurricane's coming. To take refuge, you go into the harbor where you can be safe so you can ride out the storm to take refuge, that, that's what we're doing. We're, we're trying to find a place where we can um, feel safe and be at peace. So taking refuge in the Buddha, for me, is taking refuge in this recognition that you, you're learning to trust yourself. The Buddha took refuge in who? In himself, in the Buddha. So for me to take refuge in the Buddha, what that ultimately means to me is I'm going to learn to take refuge in myself and to be able to trust that I am capable of weathering the storm. I am capable of, of providing myself with that anchoring and with that safety net that says, you know what, we can figure this out. Uh, we, meaning myself and, and all the other parts of me, my memory and my experiences and my emotions, it's, uh, that's what it means to me to take refuge in the Buddha. So I think that ties in with this overall concept of not having to rely on any other teacher, but learning that we ourselves can be the teacher that we've been looking for. So I encourage you to reflect on your own path, the path that you're on, and consider the transformative power of self-reliance and internal wisdom that you will gain on this path as you learn to look within. Instead of looking outside of yourself for these answers, learn to look inside and to find that wisdom on your own quest for greater inner peace and greater
personal growth. That's all I have for this episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining me today on the Secular Buddhism Podcast. If today's insights resonated with you, then there's so much more in store. You can extend your journey exploring these concepts and ideas by joining our online community of podcast supporters. Together, in our weekly video conferences, we dive deeper, share experiences, and discuss how to live these teachings in day-to-day life. Discover all this and more at secularbuddhism.com, from insightful articles, my books, online courses, and information on how you can become part of our thriving community. May you carry the wisdom from today's episode into your daily life. Thank you for listening. Until next time.